Welcome to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for people like you who care about the social impact of conscious companies and everyday heroes. Hear inspiring stories from those who put people and planet before profit and personal gain. You'll learn how you can make a difference, vote with your dollars, and get involved today. Here's your host, Karina Belizzi. Hello, fellow do-gooders and friends. I'm your host, Karina Belizzi, an activist and cause marketer who's passionate about social impact and sustainability. In this episode, we are going to talk about building businesses that give back, from pay-it-forward companies that donate a portion of their profits to a cause, to those like Bomba's Socks that follow a buy one, give one, product as a cause perspective. To guide us on this journey, I am joined by Masami Sato. Masami was born in Japan and has become a citizen of the world. As she's traveled the globe, she became deeply concerned with the inequalities and social challenges so many people faced. By taking a completely new look at the power of giving, she founded B1G1, which stands for Buy One, Give One, in 2007. She has authored four books, including Joy, The Gift of Acceptance, Trust, and Love, Giving Business, and Better Business, Better Life, Better World. Masami's career has followed her diverse talents and skills, having been a teacher, a translator, a natural food chef, and farmer, author, and award-winning entrepreneur, as well as a mother of two teenagers. She is a two-time TEDx speaker and frequently invited to international events. Masami, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much, Corina. Thank you for having me. I'd like to first talk about the experiences you had that led you to want to create B1G1. Tell us about the inequalities you saw as you traversed the globe and the motivations you had behind getting this started. Well, I'm actually a quite a simple person, so I don't see things from a very complex place. But for me, um, I was very lucky to have the opportunity to travel around the world, you know, take a few years uh, in my youth to backpack. And, uh, you know, backpacking is not such a luxurious thing because <laughs> you, you don't have so much money and you are on tight budget and you are kind of being creative about how to save so you can stay away <laughs> longer. And, and so I was very close to the ground and uh, being a person who didn't even speak English at that time, I had to kind of you know, really learn everything, connect with people, being vulnerable and uh, experiencing everything without, you know, judging and being open. And so during that time, I actually felt quite amazed because when I was uh, even younger and growing up in Japan, I was a very shy person and I had the trouble like speaking to strangers, even in my own community. So I was a very quiet child, very shy, uh, very nervous to speak to people. But when I went out into the world, out of curiosity of wanting to see what was out there, then I realized that at one point I had to really let go. And I started to talk to strangers because I really had to, otherwise I couldn't survive. (laughs) So, and also um, not having the perfect language to speak with people um, made me become much simpler in terms of not worrying about saying the right thing or 
you know, I could just express myself in the simple way. So with that, I realized I could connect with people and I enjoyed so much to uh, interact and connect with people. And I realized that actually the world wasn't a scary place because everywhere I went, I always uh, met some very kind, generous people who helped me whenever I needed help. So, so that, that was joy of traveling. But then another thing I saw was that whilst I was really enjoying this experience, there was one thing that didn't make sense to me, which was that uh, in some countries, um, even young children weren't going to school. And uh, for example, mm -hmm. begging on the street or working in the field because education wasn't available for them or family thought the kids working was normal mm -hmm. or, or people with physical disabilities actually sleeping on the street. And I, I thought, oh my gosh, like if this was happening in my own hometown, surely somebody would something to do to help but those that wasn't available that help wasn't available for so many people and so I started to wonder like why is this happening and you know I remembered my parents working really hard because uh, Japan was you know experiencing this economic boom when I was growing up so my father always felt that he had to work harder to gain better social status or more money. And he sacrificed so much for the family to get more. And we had you know, enough, like, I mean, we weren't a rich family and we were kind of not that well to do, but then still we had everything we needed to survive. Mm -hmm. So I thought like, wow, like there are lots of people who had enough, but they didn't seem to feel fulfilled. <laughs> But then at the same time, in other parts of the world where there were people who had very little or almost nothing, but then in those countries I went, people were still actually generous. Like they invited me to eat with them or stay with them. And I thought like, well, you have nothing and you are giving me your food. And so that was kind of didn't make sense to me. And so instead of looking things from the statistics or, you know, like global facts and yeah. then going like, oh, there is inequality and this is the poverty line. Or I didn't know any of those things. It's just that personally, things didn't make sense to me at that time. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you've touched on a few things that I just brought me right back to my 20s personally. Like uh, you mentioned backpacking around the world and, and wanting to experience and see different places. You talked about how shy you used to be. And I feel like you were describing me at that age. So um, it was something I definitely also battled. I traveled across Europe um, backpacking. And because mm -hmm. I was in the Western world in Europe, there wasn't a lot of people living in the streets. And there wasn't um, the same kind of inequity that you're talking about. There was wealth disparity for sure. But like you were speaking of earlier, most people had enough. I also was struck by the generosity of people who didn't have as much mm -hmm. and by the fact that even being somebody who didn't speak the language, I was greeted with generosity and people that wanted to help. And once I got over the hurdle of feeling like I couldn't communicate well enough, my world opened up and mm -hmm. that these people ended up being a part of my community, even though I was a stranger in a strange land in so many ways. So... It's obvious to me that you're coming from a place of the heart while you're noticing all of these inequitable situations where you have people who have a lot and then people who have almost nothing. And you're looking at children who are forced to work either through cultural habit because they need to contribute to the household and there isn't enough, so they're not able to go to school. 
And you're looking at all of these social problems and how you can fix them. So really, what happens next? You know, you get B1, G1 started. The brainchild is born. Talk about that moment and how you got it together. Like, I, I want to learn about the first like three or four clients you brought on and what that was like and how you moved them through change. Because in that first stage, it's like that first step is always the hardest to make, right? And actually, um, there was a, a gap between, you know, that experience of seeing what was happening in the world to the time I realized that I would do something about it. Like there was a mm-hmm. period of time I just had no idea if there could be anything I would do like in that situation. So what happened was after traveling, I kind of like, uh, you know, moved on with my life and I worked and then eventually I became pregnant and I I gave birth to my very first child. Um, And that was like a few years after I stopped traveling. So to me, that was the moment because until then I could say, well, there are lots of things happening in the world, but there isn't anything I could do. Right? Like, I was just a small person. <laughs> and But then when I actually held my daughter in my arm, that was the first time I just really, really felt compelled by this like uh, feeling of love and connection you know with this little thing in my arms and and then I realized wow Mm. like I love her so much and I I would do anything to protect her and nurture her and make sure she would have a happy fulfilling life but then in the first few weeks of experiencing that really deep sense of love and connection there was a moment where I actually started to see faces of other kids that I met along the way And then I realized, well, actually, my daughter happened to be very lucky to be born in a country where everything was provided. But then there are lots of other kids who who just were born in different environment. And as a result, they may not have a safe place or a family uh, who would support them to to, study and learn and live great life. And so I thought that, of course, I still couldn't fix the world's problems like by myself, but I thought I would do something about this rather than just uh, taking care of my own family so that was when i became an entrepreneur and so with the three month old baby daughter on my back i started my very first business because business felt like being in charge of something and uh you know it was three months old baby i probably couldn't get a job and go to work with her on my back but if it's a business i could do it <laughs> so um, with your I, own business yes. you're the boss you're the creator <laughs> yes, i decide so yeah i ended up uh, running this like a takeaway food store because i was passionate about food but i didn't have a lot of money but but the buying a struggling business uh, that where the owner wanted to get out of business was actually affordable like i just had a you know thousand dollars <laughs> something to buy this first business and started one and then eventually built the business and then became two businesses and eventually sold those two and moved from New Zealand where I was back then to Australia to expand my business. So my like food company was uh, growing and my vision was that by providing healthy food options to busy working people in Australia um, and I wanted to give all the profits of the business so that we could help um, um, feed and educate the street kids in some of the countries I visited. So that was like the idea. And then, so what happened was about six years into this entrepreneurial journey as a business owner, always wanting to make a difference, I realized it wasn't so easy to do. 
<laughs> even though my company was growing and we had uh, at one point uh, you know frozen meal production facility and we were wholesaling our products to over 150 stores in different states in Australia so our business it was growing but then I always had an excuse uh, to say to myself that we weren't ready yet you know we still weren't making money uh, that profit because we are putting all the money back into business to uh, improve the packaging marketing uh, you know Big, bigger freezer room, like all that. So I thought like, if I kept going like this, maybe in 10 or 20 years time, I would still be telling the same story to myself and said, oh, we are not ready yet. You know, we don't, we're not making much money yet or something. So I thought it was really ridiculous that we, I would postpone things that I was most passionate about, but I just still didn't have a time. So one day this simple thought came to me. Instead of trying to do something big in the future, what about we do something small, but do it every day? Because a small thing can be done, but big thing cannot be done now. <laughs> so the idea of B1G1, you know, sounds like B1G1 sounds a little bit weird because of the word B1G1, what is it? But the idea was buy one, give one. Like every time somebody purchases a product, what about one special thing happens in the world? And we decided that we will contribute a small portion of our product price uh, toward providing a meal to a child in India at that time so that they would be encouraged to continue going to school. And with the research, I found the right NGO, which will facilitate the giving for something like 25 cents. And then we thought, well, like we can afford this because 25 cents can be used on a sticker, <laughs> you know, like a beautiful sticker, but we don't need that beautiful sticker, but we want a heart in our business. I have to interject here because I think um, this was my first misnomer mm -hmm. when I looked at your company. I thought B1G1, I come from the world of sales and marketing. So commonly that's used as an acronym for mm -hmm. buy one, get one or buy one, give one. And so on first pass, somebody might think, well, I just don't have the margin to give a whole one for every one I sell. I mean, I'm not Tom's mm -hmm. shoes when they got their start. That's how they started, right? For every pair of shoes they sold, they would give another pair forward. Since then, you know, mm -hmm. the company's gone through some changes. They don't do it exactly that way anymore. They're providing resources to a select number of charities and a percentage of profits goes to those, right? But that's part of, I think, the scaling of a company. At a certain point, they're like, well, I've given all the shoes that we intended to and now what, right? So we want to have bigger impact in another way. Recently, there was a new company that came out in the United States, and I mentioned this in the opening, Bombas Socks. Their whole concept is really around giving a pair of socks for every pair of socks that they make, but that pair of socks goes to a homeless person. And they're using it to raise awareness about a particular issue. In this case, it's the fact that homeless people don't often get enough donated socks or underwear because those are not items that are typically uh, donated to places like Goodwill. They have to be provided new. And so because they have to be provided new, there was this giant gap and their availability to those that need the most. Homeless people often don't have the ability to go to a laundromat. They're not going to use those few quarters they have to wash their clothes. So they'd wear the socks essentially until they're not wearable anymore and then need new ones, which, I mean, it's a sad thing to think about, but that's a reality. So this company came out of the woodwork and said, we're going to bring awareness to this problem and help to solve it. That's one tactic 
to doing something like this. But what you're also advocating is it doesn't have to be that costly in one way, right? Like, so if you didn't have the margins to give another pair of socks away for every pair you sold, you could do something as simple as donate uh, a few cents per sale of an item or a percentage or Mm -hmm. even just like what the Vitamin Angels does, recommend that a supplement company, you know, use that and say, we're going to give a quarter for every bottle we sell. Is that correct? Is that my understanding? Mm-hmm. So because I think like giving the uh, what business mm-hmm. is selling the actual item to somebody else uh, is probably not feasible mm-hmm. for most businesses. And also, it may not be so necessary to give that item, right? Like because is it the way to really transform the issues and help uh, make a difference in the long term? Then there are lots of different things in the world that we could support. Like planting trees is important, but is it every time you buy a tree, give a tree? <laughs> then, you know, like maybe we can't uh, plant enough trees to make sure that our uh, uh, rainforest is uh, supported. Um, and uh, so, um, what we are trying to do in B1J1 model today, because at that time, you know, when I first started this in my own business, mm-hmm. I was just one business. And we just happened to be passionate about food, right? And then also education of the people. But then uh, several months after implementing that idea into my own company, I had another moment of realization where I realized that I knew so many other amazing business people and entrepreneurs, and uh, they were my friends, you know, my suppliers Mm -hmm. or other business friends. Um, And I knew they cared about something and uh, often they cared about the different issues in the communities. So I thought what if it was really easy for any business, not just the product business, but even accountant, dentist, or if every business can find a way for them to make a meaningful impact and then make it part of their everyday business rather than you know trying to mm-hmm. set up a foundation one day when they become mega successful or something. To, <laughs> we do it now and then as a result... Well, if we all wait, yeah, yeah. then what, right? Like if everybody's waiting, yeah. I get yeah. that. Now, um, I saw an example on B1G1's site where um, a woman was talking about her swim center mm-hmm. and said that they did something mm-hmm. as simple as... Mm-hmm. Uh, give a gift on someone's birthday. So if someone turned 26 years old, they got to donate $26 to the charity of their choice. And so it was just an added benefit that they gave to their employees. I mean, I thought that was so creative. So I'd love for you to talk about some Mm -hmm. of the ways that you've integrated these ideas Mm -hmm. at B1G1 into the businesses that you work with. So um, when, you know, B1G1 idea became the idea that this is about all the businesses coming together. I, at that time, even though I loved my food company, I decided that it's time that I would actually uh, move on to set up this initiative. So I sold my company in Australia and moved to Singapore 13 years ago to start B1J1 as a uh, giving initiative, social enterprise. And it's been, you know, 13 years in making. And along the way, we realized that this is not necessarily about the typical buy one, give one thing to, uh, you know, embed giving in just the product, the sales and the service it's like every time you know we we have plenty of these examples like every time accountants create a client they might give a goat to a family so that this family has a sustainable income or uh, even Mm -hmm. like we have 
a pest control company in UK uh, that you know gives and uh, support the children in conflict zones uh, so that every pest control work that they do and that's done by like army veterans because army veterans lost their job uh, like they didn't have a job after coming back because they had this like a you know trauma in some way so they decided to create mm -hmm. the jobs for army veterans but then army veterans really cared about the children in conflict zones so they decided to you know embed the giving so every invoice they issue after doing the uh, test control work said you know thank you for choosing us because as a result we supported you know uh, x number of children and so that's an example and the same school in america in miami that example is like they do embed giving in what they do in swimming swimming lessons too but at the same time they realized that their acti business activities are made possible by their team members and team members are their family members and they care about them so much that they wanted to inspire them that they can also make a unique difference. Company itself give access to water to people like they are passionate about uh, supporting construction of wells to bring clean water to communities. But then the team members may have a different passion, like some team members may want to plant trees or they might want to support education or, you know, uh, medical give medical care to, to disadvantaged people so many of the businesses that we work with being very very creative and thinking about how they would embed this giving spirit in everything that they do so it's not necessarily sales based or income based and it could be just every email we send we we actually do this or every time somebody downloads this like a special guide then we actually say to them well like thank you for downloading this and whilst you enjoy learning you also helps the children have you know joy of edu education or you know we help build the playground to these schools or I like that you're making mm. that action based. So mm. it's like the birthday example is one tune, but you're saying, okay, if they email, like download this email guide, or if they were to um, execute an order, I think you mentioned mm. an accountant giving a goat every time he had a new client or something like that. I think that's all very creative and good. I think it gets us outside of thinking about everything insofar as it's all about profit. Now, you mentioned something earlier that I've often thought about, especially since starting this podcast podcast. And that is that, you know, it was having a child that changed things for you. And I, I've heard this theme again, and again, and again, and I feel like it's probably the same for me in some ways, too, right? Like I have two children now, they're age three and six. I have been thinking about how we have an impact on the planet more and more especially as grandparents gift us plastic toys and things along those lines that, you know, they're, uh, expensive junk, kind of, you know, because they have short lives and they break and then what do you do with them type thing, you know. Um, so in reviewing all of that and then thinking it through, I'd like to just know a little bit more about what that means for you and, and how perhaps just becoming a mother in itself was a catalyst for wanting to see change and how perhaps that could even be used as a tool to help get other people thinking about what they could do differently. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think that there are these like moments where, you know, you feel deeply connected or start thinking differently. Then of course, like for me, one of those moments was uh, actually becoming a mom. But before then, that experience of traveling around the world and connecting with people and being immersed in the kindness of others, that was also 
part of that too. And then business, like I, I love business because it's very creative and uh, it's also tough too. So the business owners start their own businesses, I think with some form of, uh, you know, passion, vision or their own, you know, interest, like a passion into something. And so there are always reasons why something happens. And then I realized that when business people have so much to give to the world, but they end up becoming too busy and stressed or, you know, like losing that initial spark of like, this is why I started my business. That was like a real shame. So um, that's why to me, like it was all about connecting the dots. Like human beings naturally have this uh, spirit of giving and caring and empathy. Um, and then that drives us to come up with creative ideas to solve problems. Um, and the business owners are, you know, great examples of how they are creatively looking at some ways that they can add value to the world or solve somebody's problems and they start their own business. So if we connect all these dots together, then we actually have the power to solve the global problems together because there are so many businesses, so many people who care. So yeah, so that's the kind of like a B1J1 model and harnessing that. You know, as you mentioned that, I, I just was struck by one thing. And that's that um, as we're going through those big changes, like as you're building a brand new company, and you're full of ideas and insights, you're in this kind of state of change, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're having to be very creative, where you're creating something that's new. At the same time, when you're a new parent and you have a child in your arms, it's like your whole world has been turned a little upside down, right? Like you're in a creative space, whether Mm -hmm. or not you really necessarily intend to be. You're also in a moment where you can relate to and connect with other people that are on that same level. And I think a new way. So perhaps there's just something to that. Like it's this creative moment of, you know, entering motherhood or parenthood of forming a new company or a new venture, when you're going to be really open to possibility, Mm -hmm. right? And so if we can get people who are starting new businesses to think about something creatively early on, right? Like, right as you're forming the business, how do you want to give back beyond just the service that you offer or beyond the product that you offer, and make that tangible and real, so that the people that you're collaborating with are excited to be partnered with you, are excited to be employed with, by you, are, are excited about what you're doing. And it can also act as that fuel and passion that continues to keep you connected with the business beyond just the busyness of the everyday, right? Mm. I love that intention. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's a perfect way to describe it because I think like, you know, the idea of social responsibility existed for quite some time, but then it was, you know, called as CSR, corporate social responsibility. And then lots of people felt disconnected from it. So even if larger companies are trying to do something, you know, for CSR, lots of people probably don't really resonate with that because it just comes from, you know, doing things because they have to sometimes right but then right when it starts small- to sound it's too formal I think yeah. that's it right like yeah you're talking corporate social responsibility yes. it gets mm. abbreviated CSRs and you've suddenly lost everybody as soon mm. as it has an abbreviation <laughs> mm. and when the business owners or smaller companies when they are not required to do such a thing like you know you have to do CSR like it's not there but then if they feel they want to do it and because they, they, they believe or they resonate with the idea or they care, then that genuine intention of doing good, how, however small or however big, 
actually resonate with others. And then also, if we want to, because, it, you know, business takes time. So we work like, you know, so many hours in our day. So it's actually more number of hours than the hours we spend with most of our family members. So mm-hmm. actually the people we work with in businesses, like our family or even kind of more important than families, right? Because they uh, get to uh, do things together. So I feel like being able to work with people that resonate with the same idea or, you know, we work toward something bigger than ourselves together rather than always thinking about who gets more or who gets less or, you know, then uh, I think that makes our life much more fulfilling. So Mm -hmm. there is something that money cannot buy, which is like happiness or a real sense of meaning. But actually, if we are able to regularly and consistently express this sense of caring and giving you know the giving spirit and then to connect with others to resonate with that idea it makes it so much more enjoyable to be doing the hard work that we do in business <laughs> so it's a real win-win I think no I think you're right now I also perused some of the books that you've written at least online read a couple of the intros as well mm-hmm. and I found this is kind of bridging back to that earlier conversation we were having about CSRs and sustainability mm-hmm. goals right? So you were involved in a book specifically called Legacy. Mm. Um, We hear a lot about sustainability, but I don't think most listeners, most of our listeners understand what SDGs mean, right? Sustainable Mm. delivery goals. And this um, pie in the sky idea of what we'd like to achieve by 2030. So I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about what SDGs are, sustainable mm-hmm. delivery goals. Oh, sustainable ulti- development goals. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> See, look at me. I'm even messing up, right? Um, I want to deliver the sustainability, apparently. <laughs> Maybe a better um, way. <laughs> yeah. So sustainable development goals. Pardon me for reading my notes incorrectly. So um, sustainable development goals there are 17 of them and then actually like before um the you know u.s body like uh, had the sustainable development goals um they had this thing called the millennium goals and uh, um, millennium, millennium goals were also you know relatively known but not probably everybody knew about it but it was more like goals that people felt that these institutions or you know government bodies should do something about like it wasn't really resonant for them so what happened was when uh, this new set of goals called sustainable development goals came up actually it started to attract real interest in the business world and so, um, so sustainable development goals have like many different colors. So it's visually very, very interesting. But each one of these 17 goals represent some of the main issues that we need to collectively work on so that the world will create a true sustainability. And the true sustainability doesn't mean just environmental sustainability, but it's about actually like looking at certain issues people experience around the world, like the income gap or, you know, lack of opportunities or even like uh, even like behavioral issues among companies like companies need to change the way they think about you know equality in the workplace or uh, mm-hmm. diversity or so um, it covers everything basically under these 17 goals and then under 17 there are different like uh, indicators inside the two but um, because it's simply visually expressed with nice vibrant colors so it's very interesting to actually like explore the information on the sustainable 
Sustainable Development Goals website. But what it does is actually it's invite everybody to be part of. It's no longer about the government to you know, try to fix the world or uh, large foundations to do something about it. But this is really relevant for every one of us and even in small companies to look at, okay, these are the SDGs and our company want to especially work on improving this particular you know, area in our business or through our product and services or through our effective giving. The legacy book that we published is uh, kind of different in nature because you can learn more about SDGs, each one of them too. But we actually add on story from different uh, people and the business owners or people from NGOs or different organizations to share their personal stories and the passion or ambition about the SDG that they resonate with. So mm-hmm. uh, this is a storybook, but then you, know, you get to learn about some of the global facts and what's happening and what kind of things you could do as an individual. So we yeah. wrote it to inspire you know, everybody, uh, whether it's individuals or business owners, to think about what they want to do to contribute to the bigger global goals. Well, I think that's fantastic. You know, one of the things I've heard spoken of often, especially lately, and listening to other podcasts that are specifically focused on sustainability, mm-hmm. is that it feels like there's no real hope of attaining the sustainability development goals by the year 2030, that 2030 feels like it's just around the corner, and yet we're so far behind. And that's the general sentiment that you're seeing from those who work in this space. So I wonder if you could comment on that. Mm. I mean, understanding that we've already burned a few years since they were first created. Mm. And, um, you know, there are very big names involved in their creation from Bill Gates to Richard Branson. Mm. You know, so there's some big money behind producing uh, goals and, and, and actually getting to a space where we have a more equitable future for global populace. But obviously, we're falling a little short. So mm. what would mm. you say with mm. that in mind? I think, uh, so So we use this expression, uh, power of small, the power of small in you know, mm-hmm. what we do, because we believe that the making a real sustainable change needs to be done ground up or uh, involving everybody or changing our little habits, daily habits than trying to do big campaign. Or, um, so one big approach cannot fix everything. So coming up with sustainable development goal is not going to fix everything in the world, even if <laughs> all the powerful people were part of it. But what's important is that we realize that this is for every one of us and we take part in making the sustainable future together. And if we, all of us, did something little, that is more powerful than big person or big organization doing one big thing and then thinking that that should fix everything in the world because that's not going to happen. So the mindset change in small businesses will be very powerful because even though there are lots of large companies that hold great power, but actually if you look at the statistics in the world, then 97% also of economy is driven by small to medium-sized businesses around the world. That's right. And then those businesses hire so many people around the world too. Mm -hmm. So if small businesses felt empowered, and they came together to start doing things together and they do it in their own unique ways. 
it's not one way or the other, one right way or you know wrong way. But it's about everybody finding the ways that they want to make an impact. Then that creativity of entrepreneurship and the business ideas, and then the so many different great projects and NGOs or you know like social enterprises working in the world to solve these problems. So if we connect all these little tiny dots together, we really can transform things much much more powerfully. And it's today it's possible. It wasn't possible before. Today it's possible to link with millions of people because of the power of connections. You know, technology and the social media, open channels of interactions, conversations.、Uh, so I believe that even though we are behind and we need to actually start changing things faster and faster from here, but I think it's possible. And I've seen so many amazing, you know, giving people in the world that it's possible. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I'm not saying it isn't,、mm. but I, I also think have a healthy level of skepticism that comes、yes. from this. You know, the reality is. In the West, in particular, I think we have a challenge where we're consistently kicking the can down the road,、mm -hmm. and the reason I say that is things like the manufacturing that we actually do here versus in other countries. Like we're more likely to buy cheap goods that are made in another country,、mm -hmm. where、mm -hmm. the、uh, negative attributes of the pollution and everything hit that country more than our own home. And we don't see it in the same way, so therefore it's not our problem, even though it's a global issue. So it's this thing where we have to continually remind ourselves that we're responsible as much for that as we are for the consumption of the gasoline that we use or the things that we throw away in our own garbage cans.、Mm. And so, getting people to realize the effects we're having on a global scale is something that I think continues to be a challenge and continues to make people a little bit more reticent to take accountability、mm -hmm. for the things they're personally having an effect on.、Um, and that's true in business too, I think.、Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's just commentary.、Um, yeah. But I, I totally agree with you that small change is where it's at because if we all make small changes, we can have a measurable impact as a group, as a、mm -hmm. collective of people. And so, one of the questions I had for you is: Let's say that I'm building a small business and I only have two or three employees. I'm really just getting started. I mean, what recommendations would you make to somebody in that space to help them build in some level of this buy one give one perspective?、Mm -hmm. Mm. I I think it's possible for any business to do this because you know like for example if you are to decide to give through B one J one then、uh, there are lots of giving opportunities starting from just one cent you know or ten cent to do this or three、uh, dollars to plant this particular tree in this forest or so you know every cent or dollar as far as you could give then you you can start with that and you don't need、mm -hmm. to do a lot to feel good about it. And then also、uh, designing the business,、uh, like as a new business, is a, probably the best time to design how you want this business, you know, whether service or product, to be creating great impact uh, uh, to the lives of cli your client and customers, but also to the greater world. So it could be a perfect opportunity to do it right up front. Then, like.、Uh, Believing, like when we become successful, we, one day we will do this too. Actually, can we actually create a great feeling around this business, and can effective giving be part of that? And you know, just allocating small budget to be able to do so, then I think any business can. 
And of course, like uh, doing that is not everything because I think all the businesses can think about the impact, like, uh, you know, kind of a negative impact that they could have on the environment and the planet too. So but once you are doing this kind of thing, then naturally you and your team members will start to think like, oh, maybe we should save the electricity a little bit, or perhaps we would plant a few more trees to do carbon offset in at least a part of it, or, uh, uh, you know, let, let's not print too many papers anymore. Or, so mm -hmm. I think um, that mindset shift will naturally lead toward uh, us doing, like we will start to do a little bit more of something we can do each at each stage. So we don't need to try to do big thing or everything all at once or feel guilty about creating like a negative, you know, environmental impact, but then just to doing something we could do and then continue to do so, continue to question, continue to ask questions and be curious. I think that's the key. And then in the long run, uh, together, we can do so much more. So let's say I'm a business now, and I've decided I want to get involved. And I think I could collaborate with B1G1 to create a program. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Just walk me through. Oh, okay. So you can, you know, visit the b1g1.com and take a look. And uh, well, actually, um, one thing I didn't really describe is how b1g1 works. But um, that, <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. So do that. You might go like, wow, that's a great idea. But how does it work? So um, in b1g1, so let's say you, you know, we have a great uh, uh, system where you have a b1g1 account, and you can find the project and search very easily. And then also you can create this thing called the giving story. So you can say, every time I have a meeting, I want to plant a tree. And then you set it up in your account. Then you could, you know, each month give like, okay, based on the number of meetings you had, or you could even automate, you know, if you are a techie person, then you could integrate API or Zapier and then automatically track those activities. So you could do that too. So there is that mechanism to do so. And then when you are giving, fully 100% of your giving will go to the project that you choose out of hundreds of projects. So the question is then, you know, how does B1Jo work if 100% of giving goes? Because most fundraising initiatives would usually secretly take percentage of the donation, right? Which we, that's we right. don't do. Yeah, that's where so, the skeptic comes in, right? Like they say, wait a minute, <laughs> how are you making money then? <laughs> Yeah, so what happened is we regard um, the businesses that we work with as members of this movement, the giving movement. So as a movement, we run this uh, on the financial budget, which is called the B1J1 Movement Fund, which is the membership contributions coming from all the members. But because we wanna make it really easy for tiny and small businesses too, as well as you know, bigger and established businesses. So the membership fee is based on the company size and you could choose like, okay, I'm a tiny business. So I contribute like a dollar a day toward the movement fund. And then uh, when I have a B1J1 account, then I can you know, display the symbol of B1J1 badge on our mm -hmm. website. And then also then do the giving and knowing that every dollar and cent will go to the project. And then you can have an impact counter that you can embed on your website uh, that dynamically shows like how many impacts you are creating or you know under different SDGs or um, so there's a lot of things you could do but the, if anybody is curious then the best place to go is to go to visit our website um, at b1g1.com. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that you've made it simple. I think something like that needs to be in order for more businesses to really grab on and participate. But the reality is, like, if you get a little badge that helps you say to the world, look, we're a caring company, we give back, and this is how, Mm -hmm. then that's a marketable asset. That's something that consumers are looking for as they vote with their dollars. They make decisions about the types of products and services they want to support because they're working to create a better world in their actions too. So I I really love the simplicity of that. I also liked the stories I reviewed on your site, you know, from solutions companies coming out of the gates to try and reduce food waste in New York City to Mm. the water park company that teaches people to swim. And for every birthday they give uh, Mm. a contribution to the employee's chosen charity. I think that's beautiful. There are so many different ways that a company can decide to give back. And I think stage one is just starting a program, right? It's that simple. You just get started. (laughs) Are there any questions you wish I'd asked that I haven't or anything that you would like to say? Yeah, you asked a lot of great questions. And also, I really enjoyed exploring some of the thoughts, you know, because it's it's quite common to be invited to podcast and said, okay, tell us what you do. How does it work? And then get into those topics. But you actually like uh, navigated the the conversation and the stories behind the, the thoughts. Only way for people to really be interested in what happens behind product and the services we use you know because of course we can say oh like uh, it's better to waste less or reuse or recycle so like as a moral value so that we could have these principles but at the same time i think actually people would change their behavior or naturally do things or make great efforts to change things if they resonated or they um, resonated with a story of Mm -hmm. someone or felt strongly like empathetic about you know someone's pain or so actually stories are key to making people realize that they actually can do something or want to do something so um thank you so much for <laughs> oh that's exactly why i wanted to bring you on to tell your story i mean the reality is that you've had many lives as a mother as a food entrepreneur as um just an individual who's concerned about the state of the world. And you made a choice to make a difference and to focus your efforts on that. And I think that's really important. I also think the stories of the people you've touched so far are are really incredible. And so I just encourage our audience to go and take a look at the B1G1 website, because you'll, you'll get some inspiration, even if it doesn't affect you personally, even if you're not in New York City dealing with food waste, I encourage people to look there. These are businesses you could support. I'd like to invite you to be a little bit like Masami. Do you think you can do that? I know none of us is necessarily her. We haven't had her experiences specifically, but we've had some like them. We may have been that shy person that was afraid to speak up. But think like her on hard days when tasks at hand make you feel like you're staring up Mount Everest. To quote her website, we can solve any problem in the world through our everyday acts because we've got so many people, so many businesses, so many transactions in our world. We just have to be a little more sharing and caring through everything we do. I think that sums it up really nicely. I thank you, Masami, for everything you are doing, inviting us all to care a little more and be better, just like this show. Now, I'm going to link to B1G1 in show notes and on caremorebebetter.com so you can connect with Masami Seto and her organization if you're interested in pursuing a deeper understanding of her work or even soliciting her partnership. Perhaps you'll even want to purchase one of her books. 
For recommended actions, visit our website, caremorebebetter.com, and click on action. It can serve as inspiration and even provide mindful gift ideas. I invite all of you to join the conversation and be a part of the community we're building. You can follow us on social spaces at Care More Be Better or just send us an email at hello at caremorebebetter.com. And remember, this podcast is not backed by the people or the companies we feature. Our purpose is simply to get more good out into the world. If you like what we're doing, you can support the show by sharing it with some friends or by donating directly on our site. Just visit caremorebebetter.com. Thank you listeners for being a part of this pod and this community because together we can do so much more. Thanks for listening to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for social good. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts and share with your friends to help us reach more people and spread more social good.